the difference, I guess, between Christians and non-Christians is, is actually, I, I think sometimes Christians grieve more than non-Christians, and I mean that in a, in a positive way, I guess. This is the Ordinary Christians Podcast, conversations with Christians living ordinary lives that are doing extraordinary things in this world. Ordinary Christians are being swept up into God's greater story of redemption and restoration for his creation. And in that, extraordinary things come from ordinary people. Ordinary Christians is hosted by Bob Bauer, the senior pastor at Faith Church, a multi-site church ministering to Northwest Indiana and South Suburban Chicago. So let's listen in on another extraordinary story from Ordinary Christians. Hi, I'm Bob Bauer, and this is my friend Tim Smith sitting across the table from me. Tim, uh, you and I go back a long time. A long time. And the audience of Ordinary Christians, the... They're going to be surprised that what you do for a living. What, what Tim Smith? What do you do? I'm in the uh, I, uh, funeral profession. I'm a uh, funeral director, as we would commonly know it. Um, we we kind of got away from some of the terms. You know, it started out as embalmer, uh, director. Now it's kind of all one. You know, funeral director, funeral professional, those kind of things. So yeah, that's what I do. And you have. Um you and I have been doing this together because I'm a pastor of a church right. for over 30 years, sure. and you and I played a lot of basketball together over the years. Not any longer. Now we think <laughs> about the game we used to play. You know what I do now is pickleball. Oh. That's my new thing. I'm sorry to hear that. I know I love pickleball. Don't 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 be sorry. It's it's fantastic. You should start. <laughs> I I have so many smart comments I'd love <laughs> to make right do. now, but everybody I'm gonna, does. I'm going to hold them in. I know because there's a good Christian audience out there listening to this. <laughs> um, and you and I have ridden together a lot in the hearses, and I count those times very special to me. Yeah. My wife always said I should do a podcast myself called something like, uh, you know, Riding with uh, Ministers in Hearses, because it's been a blessing in my life to to be in a hearse with the pastors and to talk to them and get, you know, we can be one-on-one in there, and uh, it's just us talking. So. Yeah. We've had some fun... I mean, this is... can't use the word fun, but it yeah. was actually a... Now it's fun. There was a time where... Tim and I, we did a funeral in South Holland, and we were heading in the worst snowstorm. I want to now, you know, you know how snow, the stories grow, so it yeah. probably was actually like six or seven inches, but we'll say it's 30 inches of snow. <laughs> no, no. The truth is, it was it was unbelievable. It was like a blizzard. Yeah. And the person that we were serving, the wife, um, her husband had died, and she was insistent on getting to the grave site, and she yeah. wanted to see her husband's body lowered in the grave. Right. And we were riding down two, 294... Mm-hmm. And if I recall correctly, what happened? That we saw a truck literally jackknife, right? Well, it was a jackknife right in front of us. It was accidents all over the place, and getting there was like it was like weaving through traffic to get uh, to the cemetery. And but, then we got to the cemetery. The gate was closed, and the funeral. I mean, the cemetery. They assumed we'd not showing up, and so you had to call them and say, "No, we're here." And they're right. like, "You're here," right. and they had to shovel us all the way to the. They had to shovel. Brave it side. was. I, those are the kind of memories that are fun, but we also had serious, wonderful conversations yeah. where we've learned uh, together. Sure. Just, and so when we come back, Tim's going to you know, let us in a little bit more into his world. We'll be right back. I'm here with Tim Smith, the funeral director of Smith's Funeral Home. Tim, um, tell us a little bit how you ended up in this profession. Yeah, that's a good story. I mean, uh, you know, I guess... 
probably the the best way to say that it was through my family, but it's a little bit of a unique story because my dad worked in a funeral home in Harvey, Illinois, when I was a kid growing up. And then in my formative years, he was out of the profession. So my high school years, he had left. He was uh, worked for a funeral home in Harvey. They were um, going to always expand and keep going. And then in eighth grade year of my eighth grade year, they said to him, you know what, Glenn, we're going we're gonna to close up. And so one day he came to work, and the next day he didn't have a job. Um, so he took a big family vacation, and he figured, you know, we'll, we'll pray about it and figure out what we're going to do next. And so he found a job working in a parts department in Linwood. Linwood Motors, I think, was the name of mm. it. And it, it was good. He, he enjoyed it, but he loved the, the funeral business and loved the funeral profession being a part of that. So he wanted to get back into it. He looked around for years, and then when I was a senior in high school, he found a, a funeral home in Stager, Illinois, that was for sale. And he went to them and talked to the person there who owned it, and the guy, you know, hem and hawed a little bit, said he had some other people looking at it. And then about uh, six weeks later, he called my dad back, and I'll never forget it. Because we were at the kitchen table, my dad took the phone, and then, you know, we didn't have cell phones back then, right? So he had this long cord, and he took it around the, you know, the side room there and took the call. And uh, he came back, and uh, my, I, my dad was crying. And wow. you know, as a, a young man, to see your dad cry, that's, that's, uh, very that's, that's hard. It's very moving. So I, I was kind of young to process all this and figure out what was happening, and I talked to my mom after my dad left the room, and I said, you know, what was that all about? And she said, well, um, the funeral, the man who owned the funeral home called my dad back and said, you know what, Glenn, it's not going to work. We can't make this work at what you have financially to make this work. So that was very tough for my dad. He thought that was his last chance. And, and as a young man, I remember thinking, you know, what's our life going to be like uh, mm. tomorrow? So when I got up, I, I hardly slept that night. I remember this so vividly. I got up, I walked to my dad's room, my parents' room, and it was like my dad was gone. He was, the bed was made just like, you know, every other day. And I remember saying to my mom, you know, where's dad? And she said, he went to work. That's what he does. I mean, that's what he wasn't, he wasn't going to sit around and, and cry and worry about it anymore. He went and did his job and went to what he had to do. And I remember that it's been a part of my life ever since that time. Mm. Just do what you need to do. The Lord has called you. He'll be gracious. Six months later, my dad got a call back from this guy, and he said, you know what, Glenn, I can't find anybody at the price that I wanted, that I like. I want to make this work between the two of you, between the two of us. Wow. And a few weeks later than that, my dad bought the funeral home and started out in 1984. Okay, and then... So you obviously are in the the same business now. Sure. How did that How did that go about in your? Because were you on that career path right away? Or yeah, good question. So I worked for my dad for a couple summers, and then kind of felt like uh, you know I really like this. I want to want to do this, and uh, he. So I was going to quit Calvin College, and he said, uh, "No, don't quit. You know, you got two years down. Finish the two years, and then we'll talk about it." And that was the wisest move that you know he told me to finish your schooling. Get it done. Yeah. And then you went right into it after college? Yeah. So I went right into it after that. And then, you know, my dad bought the funeral home in South Holland right after that. So I was kind of baptism by fire. I was, he was working the funeral home in Stager, and I kind of took the one in South Holland right off the bat. Okay. Um, we were sitting around a, 
the first time I met with a family, we were sitting around the table, and uh, the lady who was the wife, the widow, was talking to her family. She was very deaf, and she said what she thought was very quietly to her son next to her, speaking about me, he's really he's really nice, but he's so young. Do you think he knows what he's doing? And we all bust up laughing. And I said, you know what? I'm not sure I do either, but we're going to get through this together. Oh, so, that's good. Yeah. That's good. So what does your job entail? So on a regular day, it's it's so different, right? It's one of the things I, I appreciate about my job. I mean, uh, I could get up in the middle of the night to go to a house where someone has passed away. Uh, we pick up the body as a you know common term that you would use, mm-hmm. remove the body. I can meet with the family the next day, set up the arrangements, work with the churches, musicians, cemeteries. We uh, at our place we do everything. We do the uh, meeting with families. We do you know the typical embalming work, preparation of the body. All those things are done by us, the guys who work by us, and so. Um, it's a little bit of everything every day. So, Tim, the ordinary Christian doesn't know behind the scenes. Sure. What are some of the most challenging moments as a funeral director? Yeah, I mean, the challenging moments, um, you know, use of our time is always difficult. But on a bigger scale, I think, you know, the toughest things for us um, is dealing with death when it's a, a tragic situation, right? There's no other way to look at it. Yeah. You get spoiled is the wrong term, but you get used to dealing with people who they're mother their wives their husbands mothers fathers are in their 90s have lived you know great lives saints of god um lived a full life but i mean just even this weekend we've got a service today for a lady in her 90s we have a service tomorrow for a man in his 40s with five kids at home right so those are those are tough times i mean dealing with families and and just trying to be a help um but realizing there's there's a long road ahead for them and I, as a um, pastor now for 33 years here at Faith, I've always cherished my work with you because mm-hmm. I think you do it with such grace and such uh, calmness. It's just a beautiful thing to watch for me. And that sounds really strange because I'm talking to someone whose job, is, but the way you do it all the time, people respond to families, yeah. the way you do it with grace and truth. And, that, and because you're a Christian and, you know... That makes a difference because this is the one of the most traumatic moments in people's lives. Sure. Yeah, and you know, the the grief that that I see, the difference I guess between Christians and non Christians is is actually I, I think sometimes Christians grieve more than non Christians, and I mean that in a in a positive way. I guess I see some non Christians just completely try to push it away, don't even think about it, like it never happened, like it never happened. That's not healthy. I mean, the best one of the best things about the Bible is how practical it is for us on a human level and a spiritual level. But, you know, the Apostle Paul talks about grieve, but not grieve without hope. And it's so true. So we see people who are grieving the loss of someone on this this side of heaven, right? That was important to them, whether it's a spouse or a, you know, a child or a brother or sister. But they know that that's not the end. And that's the, that's the biggest difference. The, the fact that we do grieve, but we grieve but with not without hope. Yeah. So, yeah, that I, you and I've talked about this in the hearse. Sure. You know, I, I've asked you. I said, Tim, can you see the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian family and how they grieve? Certainly. I mean, I, I I can see it in the way they grieve at the initial process and in after that as well. Explain um, a little bit. 
Yeah, so I think one of the things that I see between, you know, when Christians grieve, as, as I said, it's, it's, there's grief, there's pain, there's loss, it's going to happen. But there's a process that they go through, and, and they're dealing with this as a family together. Not always perfectly. There's, there's difficult, oh, yeah. difficult situations in Christians and non-Christians. The non-Christian services I, I have a tendency to do with, I see a lot of people avoiding it, not wanting to talk about it. And I see a lot of conflict in families, too. Yeah. Uh, that's a big key. And, and that's something that is probably years in the making from the past, not necessarily right at this moment. But conflict is something that I see quite a bit. In, in both Christian non- and non-Christian. Sure. In Christian and non-Christian, how they deal with it is is quite a bit different. And the other thing I see different between Christian and non-Christian grieving and services and I don't mean to say that just because you're here, Bob, but pastors make a big difference. And a relationship that people have with churches and community make a huge difference in how they grieve and how they grieve going forward as well. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about um, what you and I have talked about. There are Christians that, they're, let's just say mom dies mm-hmm. and she's in her 80s. Mm-hmm. And there are Christian families and they come into conflict in in the preparation for a funeral, how is how can we you and I disciple families now to say, hey, this is this is a Christian responsibility. Your behavior matters. I mean, I I I've been in those where they just they fight over what songs to sing in, at the service, and you know um, who's going to speak. Right. I mean, don't you think there's some Christians need to really th- rethink that? Sure, and it. As I said too, that's that's just not that moment, right? There's years of history and past, and, and those things are important to work through now. Um, you know, we talk about pre-need funerals. You need pre-need on discussing these family issues and working through these with a the church. If there is conflict at you know with a family, it needs to be resolved or talked about a long time ahead of this, because the death is in a family is just going to make it worse. Yeah, it's it's not going to make it uh, a better situation at that time. It's going to make those things that have been in the past bring out even more at that time. Tim, how, when you see someone, you say, okay, that person grieves well. What does that mean? What do you see? That's... Yeah, I, I think what that means to me is they process this death. They know that death is a reality of life, right? It's, it's going to happen, whether it's at 95, whether it's at 45 or 55 or whatever it is. It's important to know that death is going to happen. That's hard, even you know, in my own life to think about that. But it's going to happen, and it's going to happen, and after that is going to be a time of transition and a time of uh, thoughtfulness and pain, and it's going to take the ability to know that this is a process, and it's not the end. Um, I go back, I've said it a thousand times, um, what Paul said in Thessalonians. It's so important that we grieve, but not without hope. Amen. And it's that's about the most important thing I think I could say to anybody going through grief is get your your faith life worked out beforehand, meet with a pastor, get those family issues resolved, talked about before crisis like a death happens. Yes. Yeah, I have a great memory with Tim. Um, the audience, you're going to hear this ordinary story. It's pretty fascinating. Tim calls me, said, Bob, we got this guy who died. He wanted to be a Protestant um, funeral. And I didn't really know what was going on. I didn't know the person at all. Um, and I get to your funeral home, and 
the place is packed with Harley Davidson dudes <laughs> and women and men that are all in their garb. And uh, but he wanted a Protestant funeral. And I went up there. Tim introduced me. I walk up there. I'm going to guess there's a hundred people there. They all look the same. And there was one woman. Everybody there was sad. They were, their mm-hmm. faces were down. They were just grieving immensely. There's one woman in her Harley outfit with a beaming smile. And I, I thought that was so crazy. I'm mm-hmm. I'm doing the service and preaching and giving the meditation. And I get done. She beelines up to me. She goes, I'm a Christian too. <laughs> and she goes, I think we're the only ones here. <laughs> and I said to her, you know what? You made my moment mm-hmm. because I, I felt the pain of the grief of these people that had no hope. But she, her countenance showed the hope that she had in Jesus Christ. Right. And that was just a great memory. Um, Tim, there's a moment that every ordinary Christian goes through. They have to go to the funeral because they're, they want to express their sympathy. And they get there, and they're in that line waiting to get near the casket. And there are, a lot of people say the same thing. I don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for ordinary Christians? Yeah, that's an easy one for me. Uh, this is a phrase that uh, I learned from a pastor, uh, Pastor Ben Toll. He taught me this uh, years ago. And I hear Jason say it once so while, Pastor Jason yeah. here, so I know he took it from me, but I took it from Pastor Toll, so doesn't, uh, it, it goes hand in hand. We're waiting for this advice. Yeah, right. So ministry of presence, just to be there. I can't tell you how many times people have said to me, and they never say to me after a service, boy, this person had tremendous words for me when they came through the line, or they had just the right phrase that I needed to hear. In fact, I probably hear the opposite sometimes, that people try to say the right thing, and it's just difficult to do, as you said. But just to be there. I've, said, I've heard people say to me, I can't believe that you know my, um, somebody I haven't seen in 20 years right. came to my mom's funeral, uh, or a, a student who was, uh, maybe the person who passed away was a teacher, and a student just felt like they had to come and share something, a story that was from when he was a student with this uh, particular person. So those kind of things, just to be there, just to offer a hug and say, hey, we're sorry, we're praying for you, we're thinking about you, we love you, we care about you. I've had many times, Bob, I'm not kidding you, so many times after funerals, people come up to me, families, and say, what a blessing it was to have this time, to have people be here, love us, support us, and just show us that they care about us. Yeah, that's really great advice. Because yeah. audience, you, I know you know that feeling, like, what am I going to say? Oh, I have it. I have it sometimes. Exactly. I'm meeting with people, and it's like, I, I'm, I'm frustrated sometimes. Like, I want to take their pain away. I want to help them right away, but I'm not going to have the perfect words to yeah. say. And they, like you said, they won't remember the words, but they'll remember you that you were there, right. and that's that presence. And I totally, totally agree. You and I had, have, you've observed, and you and I have talked in the hearse, actually, several times about this. There is good grief, like mm-hmm. emotions. Um, how have you observed people in dealing with their emotions? I mean, if, you're, if you don't know where I'm going, I can actually tell you what you taught me. Okay. You want me to tell you? Yeah. I said to you, who grieves the most? And you said, Bob, it's interesting. When we get to grave sites, you said, sometimes I, you said to me, sometimes I, you think that the best grievers are the ones that get a lot of emotion out right at the grave site or during the funeral, as opposed to keeping it all bottled up sure. inside. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. That's why I think I said that earlier is that I, I think sometimes as Christians, you know, we, we do grieve and we should grieve and it's important to have those emotions. I'm not very good at that myself sometimes, right? I think all of us, 
especially in our heritage, kind of, uh, you know, keep a lot of that bottled up. Um, and, yeah, it's not good to do that, no, right? No, And we know that it's difficult sometimes, but, yeah, I see I see people who who have a show of emotion, and I actually feel good about that, that they're able to do that, because I think it's healthy. Yeah, that's good. Well, Tim, thanks for giving us a glimpse in your fascinating profession and even some uh, advice for ordinary Christians. When we come back, I'm going to lighten up things a little bit and give you some random questions, okay? We'll be right back. Okay. Before we jump into the five random questions, just want to thank you, Tim, personally. You've always been helpful to me as a pastor, performing this, overseeing and leading the funerals. I observe you to be extremely professional, but also a very, very dear Christian friend, and I really cherish, I'm glad the Lord allowed our lives to cross paths, and and I know and trust that as the years go on, we'll continue to do funerals together, and I always appreciate those times together as well. All right, tell me about your family. Uh, married to a wonderful wife, uh, Stacy, for 32 years. She teaches at uh, Calvin Christian School, and uh, just a, a big support in my life, most important person. How many kids? Three kids. Lauren works downtown at McDonald's Corporation. Drew works for an engineering firm in Grand Rapids, and Josh is finishing up uh, Calvin right now with a master's in accounting. He took a job downtown also, so we'll have two of them back in the area. Very cool. Good. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite holiday? Oh, wow. Good question. Uh, I, I guess I'd have to say Christmas, probably. Yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, what's something on the Tim Smith's bucket list? <laughs> yeah, I have a, I'm a, yeah, now you're going to find out how boring I am. A bucket list... Um, I'm not very adventuresome. Travel has just become part of my life. My wife has just, uh, she's pushing, you. pushing hard and hard. So I went to Europe, uh, for the first time a couple of years ago and then went right back cause I loved it so much. Good. I always wanted to get to Moscow, but I doubt that's going to happen yeah. probably in this, my lifetime. But well, right now it may not be the smartest go. No, from I, Moscow well, right I know, now, I know, but there, it's, a, it's a place I want to get to, but, uh, I would say travel, some more European travel um, back to the Netherlands is probably my bucket list. So if you um, if you if if you got a blank check to buy a car, what kind of car would you buy? Oh, now my now my family would laugh if they're here. I, I'm probably not a car guy at all. My favorite car I had was the Honda Odyssey, which is great for uh, no yeah, family. People. It just so it was so versatile. Uh, I like the Buick Enclave. <laughs> nice. So. I got one of those myself. My <laughs> yeah, wife right. drives. Yeah. So I, I'm really boring on cars. It's just not my favorite uh, hobby. Those well, are, I probably, I probably, the, I think you say hearse. <laughs> I like hearses. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, sure. that's right. right. You have a pretty nice one too, I have to admit. Thanks. Um, so what are you doing your day off? <laughs> now my wife would really hit me if she was here. There's not a whole lot of day off in our Ooh, prof- profession. Ouch, I shouldn't ask that question. Yeah, no, that's not going to go over too well at home, but uh if I if I do take some time off, uh, I, I I like to play pickleball. I oh, really, yeah. I really yeah, it's do. Really. It's I know you hate it, but no, uh, I, I I I'm a runner, and yeah, I so know. but the problem with pickleball for me is it affects my running because I, I get my joints and my knees get so sore when I really? play pickleball. Okay, and I've discovered that, so I've kind of stayed away from the pickleball. Yeah, I'm kind so, of in a pickle myself. Yeah, well, I'm, yeah, I'm in the kitchen, so yeah, uh, good, but good uh, yeah, no, I I prefer I'll skip uh, running and do pickleball. Then, yeah, so, yeah, that's great. Right. Well, Tim, thank you so much for giving us a, a little glimpse window into your profession. You as a brother in Christ, thank you for all you do for God's, really God's world, his kingdom, but also for Christians like us who go through one of the most difficult times, the loss of a loved one. And thank you again for taking time to be here. Thanks, Bob. I appreciate it and the opportunity to be here. And I would say this, 
I have always enjoyed my interactions with pastors and the way they've related to families and helped them through this process, too. It's been a big blessing in my life. Thanks. Well, God bless. Thanks, audience. Have a great day. You've been listening to the Ordinary Christians podcast. Ordinary Christians is a production of Faith Church in Dyer, Indiana, a Bible-believing, outreach-oriented, multi-site community of believers committed to changing the world one relationship at a time. More at wearefaith.org. For questions or comments, email us at podcast at wearefaith.org. This podcast is produced and edited by Jason Boltima and Brad Polinsa. On behalf of everyone at Faith Church, We say thank you for listening to the Ordinary Christians podcast.